Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Cobes, welcome to Action City. Emmy. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. I feel like I'm sitting across from like a pop star who's doing a radio ad. Oh, yes. Or like a... Because the if way Catherine can... has her hair done, she got, went to dry bar and she's putting it like her, it's in front of her headphones so that the hairstyle is still showing, but she has headphones It's like on. putting your headband like in the middle yes, of your head, yes. with, like your hair all sticking it's like out. It's like wearing a headband and not having it actually hold your yeah. hair back. And But I have so much hair that I looked myself in the mirror. You can't even see the headphones and they're like humongous because the hair is so like big. In your hair. Oh my uh, gosh, Emmy. I know. How many days till Christmas? What's 12? Today? I don't know. Too many. 12 maybe. I mean, I kind of sort of have finished my shopping. You did? Well, I don't know. I, you know what? One of those things like when you're like packing to move. Yeah. And you, just and you keep, think you're done. Uh-huh. And then like it takes you another. You yeah. Know, you find a cabinet. To, yeah, that's exactly. You're like, crap. what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it might be kind. I don't know what my peak is. I like, like honestly, I'm proud of myself this Christmas because I pared down the toys. I think last so Christmas was so overwhelming. And then this Christmas, I was like, uh-uh. Like, no. the kids only have a couple of gifts that are wrapped. And then the rest will be Santa gifts that will be, you know, just out. Yes. And they're not- Santa does not wrap at our house. Either. Yeah. Santa yeah. doesn't wrap at our house right. either. But yeah. So they'll just... And then that's like it. I'm With so their proud stockings, of you. you know? Well, my problem at my house is every present was linked to a spreadsheet. So oh, like, right, right. there's no surprise element at my house. I mean, they, they picked out literally every single thing to the point where I'm like, do I need one thing that's a surprise? But then you've like this, yeah, I'm a little gun shy because I mean, they hate everything I pick out. So why am I going to spend money on something they don't, they didn't pick out? That's tough. That's a tough one. I'm, that's, I kind of appreciate that because I like to pick out all my <laughs> presents. So I don't know. Jim said, I need a list from you. And finally I was like, you know what? Figure it out on your own. Yeah, but then you might be disappointed. But I did, well, I did give some direction. I said, I don't want a deep fat fryer. I don't want a toaster. (laughs) I don't want a vacuum cleaner. I do not want some sort of appliance. No, no appliances. One year I did get a blender because it was an upgrade from the toaster he gave me originally. Oh, well. Mm -hmm. But I do need a new Vitamix, but that is not a Christmas present. Just FYI. No, 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 no. A Vitamix is just an appliance that you need for your life. Remember my mother's day. (laughs) When oh. I got the ninja, <laughs> so mad. <laughs> How is the ninja working out for you? It's actually not that bad. Okay. But it's not a Vitamix. Do you like flip it back upside down and take the cup with you? Can't you do the ninja? Like, I think that's a magic bullet. Oh, the magic bullet. Oh my yeah. God. Barry Murphy used to sell all these like crazy vitamins <laughs> and stuff. And he was totally into the magic bullets. We had one of those because he thought it was like no the most amazing innovation. <laughs> no, I just, the ninja's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but it is no Vitamix. Yeah. Okay. It, the Vitamix is key. Okay. So really peak pit. What is yours? Well, you have to give a pit. I feel like the last two weeks you've just glazed over it. I know. Um, let's see. Um, <laughs> you have to, you, I'm making see. you like oh, pick God. something bad. Uh, okay. My peak is, what is my peak? My peak is that I do feel like I've have progress on the present front. Okay. I don't have progress on the wrapping front, but on the present front, there has been progress. There's only two wrapped presents under my tree. Wrapping paper is 
the biggest sham in the world, by it's, the way. Uh, and I hate it all. It's all so ugly. And mm-hmm. then I see all these people that have like color coordinated Madison you're on my list of people that has like a perfect color coordinated tree underneath. I'm like, all my wrapping paper is like collected over the years. None of it matches. It all looks ridiculous. I mean, well, I'm okay. So Tuesday morning used to be my favorite place to buy wrapping paper because yeah, it was always yeah, nice a, and yeah. cheap. They didn't get a single roll in this year. Are you serious? Uh huh. Yeah. So I went to Paper uh, More and bought a bunch. Oh, you are fancy. It, it was it actually wasn't as expensive as I thought it was really? going to be. Okay. Um, and I bought, like, Jeff has a wrapping, Campbell has a wrapping, and Huffman has a wrapping, and it kind of worked out. Oh, so Issa, they know mm-hmm. that this paper is mm-hmm. for me. Yep. Actually, that sort of alleviates alleviates the problem of having tags on it. Right? That's So I, I just, see, I never buy tags. I'm like a Sharpie on the... Like I get a gold or a silver Sharpie and I write two and then from on. I, my parents always like cut out a piece of the wrapping paper and like oh, folded it over yes, and like yes, taped yes, it yes, on. Yes. But they would always write some like funny thing that oh, that's uh, that would indicate what was sort of on the inside of the box. Oh, that's so I did fun. that for a long time and now I've finally given up. No, I mean, so mine's the Sharpie on the outside. So I don't know. So my my peak is that I've made some progress on the on the present front. My pit maybe is that I don't have a Christmas card. Oh, I'm kind of not in the Christmas card mood at the Wait, moment. And you have like 10 days. I know. And so Chris Castro just... helped me last year. I don't have a picture. I just, yeah, just, I don't know. Maybe it's not happening this year. Yeah. You do like a new, uh, Valentine's cards are really cute. Mm-hmm. That would have to indicate that you really like your children. <laughs> <laughs> My other pit is that, let me just say, raising a 15 year old is just not for the faint of heart. No, and she's about to be 16, and that is like hell mm-hmm. on wheels. Mm-hmm. It won't be. There will be no wheels if oh. we don't have an improvement and a lot of fronts. I hear you. Mm-hmm. I did, did I ever tell you I had to buy half my car? Yes, and I mean, I wish I had implemented that when they were, you know. Yeah, but that thing like couldn't go on the highway. <laughs> it's a Jeep Wrangler. It was so bad. Did it shake? Oh, yeah. Oh, my if God. You drove, you, would oh. you let your kid drive that now? No way. <laughs> no. no way. Um, if I went over 50 miles an hour, the <laughs> whole thing shake. would start to shake and the steering wheel would be going back and we forth. We had a Jeep that did that and it was so terrifying. It was so I feel scary. like you need to be 16 to My Jeep also that. had like holes in the bottom of it. So great. It was, you know what? But it was yours, Emmy. It was. Mm-hmm. You Tarzan. Half of it. I'm really proud of you. Yeah, he was great. Oh, Tarzan. I love that you had a name for it. I've named all my cars. Well, so what's your car now? Money Penny. She's British and she's a woman. She's very, you know. She's very fancy and mm-hmm. sleek and mm-hmm. cool, but still kind of rugged. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that. That yep. kind of explains you, I think. Right? Yeah, I was talking to Jim about you this weekend and I was like, I was like, Emmy's like, she has this like outdoorsy, like cool side to her <laughs> that you would never know that like, but I love that. I was, we were talking about Outward Bound and I was oh. like, Emmy went to Outward Bound and I was like, and that's what makes her like so cool and outdoorsy. Well, it was forced. Well, Hmm. But we just might be thinking the same thing at our house. Just, I will say it did change my life. Uh, in a, I told in Jim a great that way. we've been on the website, Knowles or mm-hmm. Outward Bound. Both. Outward Bound, but I didn't look at Knowles. But you Knowles did Outward Bound, yeah, right? Yeah, they're both good. I guess I could look at both of them. Yeah. Um, okay, so tell me your peak and pit. Okay, so I'll do pit first. Um, which pit should I do? Which pit should I do? <laughs> this is like the difference between you and I. Okay, I think my pit is that I am like 30 weeks pregnant and oh, I'm to the oh, point oh. where I'm so uncomfortable in my own skin. <laughs> like literally my skin. you have skin, to sleep sitting up? Are you, no, I just, uh, I'm like, it's like my skin can is physically stretched to where, <sighs> and now I have like nine weeks left. Well, because I'll probably deliver at 39 because of my C-section. Just, I, I know people, it's yes, 40 weeks. You I'm know not what? that bad at yes. math, but. 
Um, I think also <laughs> like last night, Jeff was like, are you okay? You seem kind of off. And oh. I was like, I'm mad because nobody treats me like I'm pregnant. By the third yes. kid, everyone's literally forgotten about it. They're it, like, like and I just keep it. on going with your life. Yeah, like, nobody what, cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Nobody. I care. Well, thank you. But like, <laughs> you know, it's like nobody's like, put your feet up or sit down or it's, let me bring you a yeah. I feel nice like tea. I told Jeff, I was like, I take care of literally everybody else, mm-hmm. and I do not feel like anybody takes care of me. Wait, somebody sent me a meme on Instagram that said. This year, I'm going to wrap myself up as a present oh, and put myself under the tree so everybody remembers I'm a gift. And I was like, I love that idea. I'm going to do mean, that. <laughs> I actually, I was texting with one of my friends and she was like showing me she wanted to buy a handbag for herself for Christmas. And I was like, well, don't like, doesn't your family buy you gifts? She yeah. goes, oh, no, no. I've bought all my gifts. Well, I normally do that. Yeah. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, I was like, if you really want a handbag that you, your husband probably doesn't know about, then nope. yeah, go mm-hmm. for it. But yeah, I think that's my pit is that like everything hurts. My sciatic hurts. My round ligament pain hurts. Oh, on Saturday, I tried to go for a long walk. I only made it a mile and a half because I was in pain. What hurt? My sciatic nerve Uh. in my left butt. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very technical term. That's a medical term. The left butt. (laughs) The left butt. (laughs) And then my, I get round ligament pain. So basically my, the ligaments that are around your stomach they start to tighten and it just, it literally feels like somebody is like pushing on your stomach. It's the worst pain. Ouch. And so you can get like a belt, like you, have you seen those supportive belly things? Yes. Like that's what you wear, but I didn't know it was going to hurt that bad or else I would have worn my support thing. Yeah. I mean, you're so close. It's almost there. I know. But nine weeks would go pretty quick. And that's what people are all like. They're like, oh, are you so scared to have three kids? Like, that's going to be so much. I'm like, the baby will be the easiest, the easiest one. one. You realize that after you have the yes. two older kids. I'm right? like, when you have your first baby, you don't realize I that. mean, newborn stage is tough. But once the baby's like three, three months old and sleeping through the night, yeah. knock on wood. Knock on wood. Like... That's that's the best time. There's yeah. just like a little blob that you put in the stroller and take everywhere. And it's awesome. You got two babysitters at home? Wow. <laughs> Campbell, she is not like the way she treats her little baby dolls. She is not oh, allowed she's to She's not very sit. motherly? No. No. <laughs> no. I'll hear her discipline her babies. Oh, <laughs> what be you like, always think to yourself, you're like, am I just hearing myself in that? I'm like, is that how I say it? Yeah, pretty much. Is that how much. I did it? She'd be like, my baby, you know, my baby bit. She'd be yeah. like, time, time out, out, baby. <laughs> time out, baby. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, so uh, what was your peak? I think my peak is that probably on Saturday, we went to the like little mother daughter tea. Oh, um, I wanted to go, but then I was supposed to be in Houston and then I, whatever. So I didn't yeah. make reservations, but was it so cute? Well, it, the tea itself was whatever. Did your mom come too? Yeah, she did. Okay. But I think the bonding with Campbell, like she's starting, we're really starting to bond over girly stuff. And so she was so excited to put on her pretty dress. And actually, she wore one of your girls' jackets. <gasps> did you take a picture? I did. I mean, you got to send it to me. Um, and like she was Those excited to wear, yes, the oh blue like wool. Oh, it was oh so cute. Um, she wouldn't wear the hat though. 
That's okay. Mine wouldn't either. Yeah. Probably why the hat looks like it's never been worn. It actually really does. <laughs> For being 13 years old or yeah. however old uh-huh. it is, it's, they're 15 and yep. does not look worn. Um, but it was really cute. She was excited to put on her, like her sparkly shoes oh. and she wanted me to brush her hair. And I was putting on my makeup and she asked for a little bit. I pretended. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like all the stuff that I'm excited about having a daughter is starting to happen. And then she got some like randomly some money for her birthday from it from like my deceased grandparents. I guess they do the I don't know, whatever. It's whatever. hard to yes. explain. But I was like, Campbell, would you want to go shopping and pick out some things? And she was so excited. And I'm like, oh my God, this oh is my everything gosh, it's I've all ever coming together. Wanted. The plan is coming together. Yes. So that was my definitely my peak. Did she have fun at the tea? I mean, it's probably like a 15 minute thing she can sit there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not like. We did end up putting cocoa melon on my phone at one point, which my mom didn't judge me for. So I appreciate. That was really nice. Well, because I think she realizes like after about 25 minutes. They don't have have it in them to sit there all day. It was a tea. It was very quiet. There was a harpist. And you You were having some clotted cream. Basically. Love. I love tea. Tea is maybe my favorite meal. I can skip all the other meals. I love tea. Well, but there was like not that much food. What? It was, I like a tea sandwich. I like a scone. I know, but okay, there were like five tea sandwiches the size of a quarter. Oh yeah, no, I'm gonna need a whole tier yeah. of them. No, it 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 could have been a whole tier, but it mm-hmm. wasn't. You They've know what I'm saying? It down since my day. It was not as much food. Darn it. So that's the other thing too. She didn't want to really eat any of it because it, it's called kind of fancy and little. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, and so that was. But I did appreciate that. I was like, Mom, can I put on my cell phone? And she's like, Yes, please. Please, let's enjoy ourselves. I mean, you know, before you have kids, yeah. you judge those people. You're like, mm-hmm. I can't believe they have an iPad at the table. And you're like, I'll never oh, be I that Oh, I judge. Parent. But I mean, but I have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. been there. Yeah. Well, okay. What, what's our, what are we going to get accomplished this week? I mean, you basically are ready to go. What's my plan? What? Do I'm going to wrap the presents. Christmas card? I don't know. Did you, is your list ready to go? Yeah, I've worked on the list. I spent like two hours working on the list the other day. I probably need like another two hours of list work. Uh, that's a lot. Uh, I know. I was gonna you say know, I could just list, get rid of some people. I was going to say, if your list was done, designing the card's the fun part. I know, it's easy, but I don't have a picture. I really I really like the picture of us like at the top of the mountain this summer, but yeah. nobody's going to like it. I went back and investigated. I was like, people will kill me if I send this out as the... I thought everybody looked cute, but... Oh my gosh, one time my sister-in-law hated the picture that my mother-in-law chose for the Christmas card that she sent her own Christmas card with a horrible picture of my mother-in-law. No, she didn't. <laughs> it was the funniest thing Amy, I've ever heard. that is next level craziness. <laughs> it, it literally... <laughs> I'm like... It was... I wish I had the guts to do something like that. I mean, it, she... Yeah, she did not approve of the photo and then oh she sent god. her own cards. <laughs> oh my god, that's yeah. so good. So, I mean, I guess I could. I just have to have a photo. The list, you're right, is fine. Yeah, design and photo. And, you know, I always do it like where I upload it and they print the addresses I was gonna say, on there. That's just, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not like you're addressing. You just right. have to... Yeah. So, okay, maybe I'm going to wrap the gifts and maybe I'll think about a Christmas card. Yeah. What's on what's on your agenda? What's your plan? Um, what do I have going on this week? Honestly, I counted I have eight nights of events over the next two weeks. So last oh, night I'm I got kind of jealous. I was like standing <laughs> nude in my closet, yep. trying on all my clothes. All the outfits. Because I refuse to buy anything because I'm so pregnant. No, don't buy anything. So I'm trying to figure out like what I can wear. Um I think, I don't know. Yesterday was weirdly productive. So I feel like the rest of the week is just like random stuff. 
Okay. I do need to finish wrapping like Jeff's family's gifts because we'll see them after Christmas. Um, but other than that, like everything's kind of done. Yeah, I mean, I'm so proud of you. Well, you're such a such, such a good example for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, but well, okay. Excited for our guest. I know. We're really excited for our guest. This yeah. was Emmy's request, you guys. Sarah Baducci is a Texas-born, Oklahoma City-based real estate broker. She is the owner and founder of Verbode. Her four children keep her on her toes, and she wouldn't have it any other way. Sarah started Verbode in 2011 alongside Gary Kaplinger because she wanted a brokerage that focused on ethics, professionalism, community, and teamwork, rather than sales-based metrics. She helped pioneer the niche market of urban real estate in Oklahoma City. Sarah began her real estate career in Oklahoma City as a mortgage originator at J.P. Morgan in 2001. She then moved to California, which helped her gain a larger understanding of real estate. This also opened her eyes to the necessity of green sustainable design in Oklahoma. After moving back to Oklahoma City, she began investing in and restoring residential properties and saw an opportunity to get her real estate license. After getting licensed in 2007, she worked in new construction as an agent representative and saw a need in her network for her real estate knowledge. Since opening Verbode in 2011, Sarah has been able to serve her clients in over 350 transactions personally and has helped oversee 1,800 plus transactions company-wide. Welcome Sarah to Action City. Looking for your voice to be heard? Have a passion and want to share it with those of a common mindset? Have a business or brand that needs to get the word out but don't know where to advertise? Contact Blackened Studios, a full-spectrum, cutting-edge podcast studio that services clients from all over the country. Black and Studios offers you more than just a podcast. We offer you an experience. In-house production from audio video recording, editing, marketing, advertisement, and exposure with over thousands of people listening weekly. Black and Studios doesn't hesitate to back local businesses. So when you want your voice heard, Black and Studios has your back. Search Black and Studios on all social platforms. Email at podcast at blackandstudios.com or visit us at blackandstudios.com. And remember, it's Blacken. Sarah. Hi. Welcome to Action City. I am so glad to be here. We're so happy you're here. I know. We're excited. This is Emmy's brainchild. Uh, well, it's, it. yeah. <laughs> she said, Catherine, I, I want was, somebody in real estate. And I was like, oh, I got the perfect person. Yeah, I was just, I'm excited. I feel like we, yeah, we, of course, already briefly talked before we started recording. But I was just so excited because I feel like this year has been so just crazy, especially in real estate. So I kind of want to break it down. But I want to talk about Oklahoma City specifically because I think that, there are tons of other cities that people are talking about real estate wise. And I think Oklahoma City is right there with them. It's just not being talked about as much. Right. Possibly. Well, I think we're under the radar. Right. Which sometimes is good. People, it's not, we don't need to be like, you know, Dallas. No. And I don't want to be. But I feel like it's really exciting for the city. I think it's one of those things that's kind of blown up. And. I just, I don't know. I, I feel I'm excited for Oklahoma City in the sense that something is, it's really fast paced right now, or it seems like it has. We're just experiencing so much growth in all aspects and real estate's just one of them. But I think that the market 
everywhere in the United States and the world has shifted in this upward tick of just appreciation and lack of supply, a lot of buyers in demand. And it's just creating this very hot dynamic market that no one can really predict or um, work well in. It's It's been yeah. so rapidly changing. Well, I'm excited to break it down I my know. neighborhood and all oh, the fun oh. stuff. All the neighborhoods I dream about living in. Yes. Yeah. Even though I love my own neighborhood, I just always... Yeah. Like, oh, I could live there. I could live there. I could live there. I know. We're, I mean, it's just, we were talking about, you know, moving back to Oklahoma City six years ago. I just didn't look at any other neighborhoods in the one that I sort of grew up in out of habit. I and did now, the exact same thing. And now I I'm mean, so bummed because we could have totally had Now we can't afford to go to all these fun new neighborhoods. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe we can. <laughs> Not with these kids. <laughs> when we retire. Well, so Sarah, where are you from? Well, I was born and raised in Fort Worth, Texas, actually. You were? I was. My husband's from Fort Worth, and I went to TCU. Oh. Yeah. And so did your husband, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How fun. Yeah. I grew up in the suburbs of Fort Worth in a little town called Watauga. Yep. I went to elementary school in Colleyville. My mom was a librarian there, so we commuted. Okay. And uh, yeah, I spent my childhood in Fort Worth. My parents are both... A third, fourth generation Texans, and they never leave. And your parents are still now. there. No, oh, they're oh, they're oh. Yeah. oh that's... yeah. But the rest of my family, like, um, they're all still in Texas. Yeah, I feel like that's a forward thing. I mean, generations. Yes. Once a Texan, us. always a Texan. Oh yeah, yeah. Do you yes. feel like that, or do you feel yes. like you're finally an Oklahoman? Uh, I. I'm definitely an Oklahoman, but I'll always be a Texan at heart. Like, you can't take the Texas out of me. I love, I do love Texas. And I feel like there's a pride factor that you just don't get in Oklahoma that you get in Texas. I'm just, I can, I, I just have so many long standing roots in Texas. And my, my family on both sides just go way back. So, yeah, it's fun. You're not far away, though. I, I go Texas back. Texas adjacent. Yeah. But I love Oklahoma, and I've been here since 1989. So, oh gosh, I've been here longer than I okay, was. Okay, so Texas. how did you? You went to high school in so in your town. You went to high school in Colleyville, or no? I left uh, Texas when I was going into the sixth grade. My dad got a job in Chicago, actually, and we relocated to St. Charles, Illinois. And then six months into that, we moved to Oklahoma. So I was only in Chicago for six months, and that was interesting. Uh, And then we moved to Edmond, and I was in sixth grade, and I finished high school in Edmond. So I went to Memorial. Nice. Go Bulldogs. Was that when there was just Memorial? I uh, know we there was north. Was there was north then. Yeah, but it was the mid high system. So like, you went to mid high for two years, and then high school was only two years, and that changed right after us. And now it's all together, like all four, four years, years of high yeah. school and three high schools. What do you, what do you think about Edmond? It was sort of a little more separate from Oklahoma City then. I think. I mean, it was it, a lot separate. Yeah. I mean, Edmond was sort of like its own community. It still is, mm-hmm. um, and very suburban. I mean, we never really left Edmond unless it was just to do something extracurricular. Which well, there was nothing to do. Yeah, to, it wasn't like you came to Oklahoma City to go downtown, <laughs> like then. to a concert. Right. You know, I think the first time I came downtown for a concert was in 1991. I saw George Strait. Um, At the Cox? Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. That's where we yeah. used to see concerts. Yeah. 
And uh, that was that was great. And I and I can remember coming downtown then, but we really didn't come downtown. The only time I came downtown, I used to work for a company called Decorative Arts, and they were located off of uh, like Lincoln and 36th area in that industrial complex just north of the Capitol. And I used to make their bank deposits and they banked at bank first. So I would come downtown. I was in high school and I would make the bank deposit. What I thought you, that I was something. What do you remember <laughs> about downtown? Because I have my thoughts about what I remember about downtown. What do you remember about it? This was in the early 90s and it felt really desolate. Yeah. Um I remember feeling like, wow, I love these tall buildings and sort of the architecture was so different downtown than like Edmond. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the energy of that space, but I never re- really remember seeing people. I always thought the underground was fascinating. Um, and I remember telling people in Edmond, like there's this whole city underground and they thought I was crazy because no one, no one, no really one ever went. It. That is what people I remember is that there were no people. Yeah, there was no people. And I could never figure out how you had a, all those buildings with no people. Yeah. I yeah. just, I never had a problem parking. No, you yeah. never had a problem parking. But now when I go down, what I'm so amazed by are the people. I think because for all growing up, I never saw any. And so now I'm just, I mean, it's like, like people on the sidewalks. And yes. Yeah. I mean, I literally, Jim and I went down there this weekend and I was like, oh my God, there are people so here. People. I mean, every time I comment on it, like, okay, I'm gonna have to get used to it now. Yes, there are people downtown. Yeah, you can't go to a Blazers game and just like pull the up the Blazers game and pull <laughs> right? up on the street. Yes. Oh my god, that's so funny! Like I remember thinking we were parking so far away. If you uh-huh. had to park like a block away, yeah. yeah. Oh, the perceptions of Oklahomans. Uh-huh. It's so fun. It was funny. Yeah. So where'd you go to college, or did you? What 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 happened after high school? I didn't go to college. Well, that's not true. I went to Oklahoma City Community College okay. for one semester. Yep, and um, we should back up. So I. I started working when I was 14. So you've always loved working. I mean, like that you you seem like somebody who's always got a tin irons in the fire. I was just um, looking for something to do. And, you know, working felt appropriate. It it was just something to do to fill my time. And I really didn't have my hobby. The only hobbies I really had in school were singing like choir. You're not really going to do that after school. Like, it's not like a sport, you know? Yeah. So I was just looking for something to do. My And my friend's dad owned a bowling alley, the Edmund Boulevard Bowling Alley. Yep. And so th- I got my first job there. And that just kind of set me on a path that would have been different had I not been so focused on work. Um, but I had lots of jobs all through high school. And by the time I became a senior, I had two jobs. Um and kind of a part-time job, too. So I was just working all the time. Um, but that path led me to where I am today. So I feel really, yeah. really interested in in exploring more um, educational things. Like maybe after I retire from real estate, I'll, I'll go back to college or something. And then you'll actually probably really pay attention, and focus and care about it. Yeah. And well, remember something, maybe. I think it's Unlike tough, me. too, when you're making money. To be like, wait, I have to stop or, you know, or like, I don't know, at least for me, it was like, I liked having work because I liked having that disposable income. Yeah, I, I really didn't enjoy my work in that sense, but I enjoyed the people that I met. Mm -hmm. Like I've been such a people person and I craved new interactions with people. And so the jobs that I loved the most were like retail where I could meet people in my store and I love that about my job. Yeah. Find an outfit. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, so fun. And then I started managing 
you know, the store when I was still in high school. And so it was like, I, I could see management as a clear path for me, but it was really always about the people. Like I just wanted to meet people and understand even if I could help them in a small way, it was, it was fulfilling. I feel like anybody who's ever worked retail or probably restaurants just gets it. Yeah. Like I just kind of put them in a category of like, oh, you've been, you've, you know, you've worked holiday season or you've worked yeah. this. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you get it. Christmas at the mall is an experience. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. I had to go the other day. I really never want to go back. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. But I was uh, 19 when I got married. I was 20 when I had Alyssa, who's now 24. So, um, you know, it was hard. It was hard to think about going to school. You just, at that point. It seems like you yeah. grew up really quickly. I did. Yeah, I did. And um, and that was that was great. And I loved it. And uh, were you kind of an old soul, though, always or no? Uh, yes, probably. I always um, I love I always was close to my grandparents and they were sort of the greatest generation. Right. They mm -hmm. they had all these wonderful stories and they seemed really diverse in their history. And I just I was always drawn to talking with older people, yeah. I think. And I still am. I find them fascinating. So um, I I don't know. I just I don't know. So then how or when do you make the move to California? So I moved to California in 2004. Okay. I I got a job working for JP Morgan in residential mortgage um, finance. And that's really what started my career in real estate in 2001. Have you had all your kids at this point? No. Or? Okay. No. <laughs> I'm so, like trying to place. <laughs> so Alyssa was born in 1997 okay. and I started my first business in 1999. I, I owned and operated a candle company. Oh, cool. Uh, we also made like body products, um, it really started with soap when I was working in retail. Um, but I always had an entrepreneurial sort of spirit. I was programming cash registers when I was in high school for people. And, um, you know, it was just I just always wanted to make money, you know, yeah. with a lemonade stand or just whatever. It didn't, didn't matter. Mm -hmm. uh, but, yeah, I, I was uh, burned out owning my own business for the first time, that was so incredibly difficult to not have any sort of business training, but just to have this idea. And this was like pre-internet, like it was just getting going in Did the late 90s. Did you start cooking it on your stove at home? Yeah, exactly. And then I had a like a shop where I would make big batches and... And then we would go Where'd to like trade, trade shows yep. and oh, God. the mall, like when they have like holiday shows. Yeah yeah. 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 And it was a terrible way to go through life. Like that. I promise a lot of soap to make you somebody. really do. Yeah. yeah. You really need to scale it. And I just wasn't in that mindset. But I learned a lot about business and myself and what I was capable of. And. I answered an ad in the newspaper for a production manager for a mortgage company, Harry Mortgage. Did you even know what that meant? No, I don't, but I, don't I even thought know what that means. But I thought, well, I've been managing my own production, so yeah, I could <laughs> you're do like that. I produce <laughs> producing mortgages and producing candles, very similar. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I went on the interview, and he was like, "Well, clearly you don't have experience for this job, but let me offer you this job." And he offered me a job as a loan officer, selling residential mortgage loans. And How did you understand the lingo and the terms and how it all worked? Did he 
train you? I mean, I, he obviously trained you. I I got some training. Uh, it was very short and very concise. I learned how to read a rate sheet. This was before there was any kind of licensure requirements oh in, my gosh. in mortgage financing. Um, and they basically handed me a phone book and said, sell some loans. Wow. Did you sell some? Yeah. <laughs> you literally would like call people on the phone. They'd answer the phone and like. I mean, I could have. They they had they serviced loans, so I just started calling people that had high rates and offered to refinance gotcha. them. And then you know people would call and they would send their the lead to me or whatever. And then I realized that I should probably start networking with real estate agents um, because they probably have clients that need loans. And so I was always good at networking and I just started networking with real estate agents and then I was recruited by Chase and I went to work for Chase and I did that for three years. And that was all in Oklahoma City. Edmond, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City. Edmond, really. And wow. then you sought the job at J.P. Morgan or did they come find you? So uh, J.P. Morgan Chase uh, oh, yeah, I forgot had, that they were. had branches all over the United States and I was like, I... In my free time, like vacationing, I would always go to California and I love California. And we decided to move to California and I just asked for a transfer and they sent me there. Wow. And so how long were you there? Six months. And you said California sounds like fun, but I got to get back to home or? Yeah, the market was changing drastically in 2004, 2005. um, California was starting to really come undone. And uh the my employer was changing as well. So JP Morgan and Bank One merged during that time. And it was just a very challenging time. I mean, we were originating 30 loans a month in Oklahoma City and with refinance business. I mean, it was the first like refi boom. And I mean, it was just a, a really crazy time to be in the mortgage business and handling people's finances is so difficult. I mean, it's if kind you, of emotion. it it's is emotional. Well, it's like I feel like it's being like a psychiatrist on top of it is because, you know, that's a very large investment for most people. It's probably the largest financial investment that they've ever made or ever will make in most people's lives. And when you're handling, you know, the emotion behind someone's home where they live, where they make memories and you put those two things together, that can be a really interesting dynamic. That makes sense. And so. I had I had been in it for a long time at that time, you know, four years. And I was I went to California and I loved California. And there's some I go back every year. I I will definitely retire somewhere in California um, at some level. But it 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 I didn't have any family there. And it was, you know, when you're in a commission based business like that. And someone hands you the phone book and you're just like, yeah, I've got to pay my rent. You know, I mean, yeah. it's hard. It's a long um, relationship building process takes a long time. Yeah. And so I just was underprepared for the market to move the way that it did for the employer that I was working for to go through this huge change. I mean, Chase was a Fortune 100 company at that point, And it was just like this conglomerate. I mean, we yeah. we originated in one state. We processed in another. We underwrote in another. And it was like this long chain of difficult red tape to get a loan approved. Right. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. So yeah. I came back to Oklahoma and uh, was looking for something else to do. But I loved real estate. And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do loans anymore. So 
I found an opportunity to publish a magazine that was a trade journal for real estate, and I did that for three years. So I came back to Oklahoma and published the trade journal. I love that you don't stop and think, I don't know how to do this. Someone says, you want to publish a publication? You're like, sure, I could do that. No problem. Yeah. I mean, mean, that's like pretty unbelievable. I don't well, think I don't think most people are like that. It's what I, I think most people would think about a gazillion reasons why they couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, and you just make it sound so matter of fact. Like, okay, I, I figured it out. I My guess, mother-in-law's like that. She just figures stuff out. I guess I like a good challenge. I I think that anything is possible with the right mindset. So I never really let my lack of knowledge or ability stop me from most things. I just tackle it head on. I'm like, well, I could give it a shot. Was the trade publication a franchise? No. Corporate owned. Okay. Um, They were in 70 markets. Okay. And uh, headquartered out of Phoenix. And so I had the whole state of Oklahoma. And then the last year I had Arkansas as well. So I traveled throughout the whole state both states and um, interviewed top producing real estate agents, sold advertising to vendors like title companies, mortgage companies, right, termite guys, you know, whatever. And that was an interesting way to learn more about real estate. I was very fascinated by it and the people that I met and their stories. And I just had this interesting perspective being in the mortgage business, you know, understanding sort of the backside of real estate before I did anything else. Which is probably really valuable that you can just have that knowledge already. Because I feel like learning it the other way is probably the most, I mean, most real estate agents would learn it the other way. Absolutely. And that's probably more of playing catch up where you're just like, oh, wait, this means this or how do I write this contract? And you already had all that. Right. I feel like that's almost like You know, when you were saying with your soap business, I was kind of thinking about this, but with Scout Guide, I felt that way too. I got really burnt out on just being a small business owner. But had I had something where I had like learned QuickBooks first and learned like all the like, you know, monotonous stuff first and then got to do the creative fun stuff on top of it, I probably would have been more successful. So it sounds like that's kind of what this was, right? You were able to like learn the monotony and then do the fun stuff. Yeah. I mean, the nuts and bolts are always the financial side. I mean, there is some like market data that you need and market knowledge that's important. Important, but, but data is fun, I think. Absolutely. But so when after you had the publication for three years, did you sell it or did you kind of just walk away from it? So I didn't own it. I was oh, an nice. independent contractor. Nice. Um, I've been sort of an independent contractor commission status since I went to work in the mortgage business so for 20 years now, just commission based only. Wow. Um, so I walked away from it. Um, the company ended up, uh, folding, um, about a year after I left maybe. And I could kind of see that it was going that way. I had some feelings about it. I mean, um, it was, it was interesting. And I, I guess maybe after three years, I was like, I've, I've learned a lot and I just want to do something different in real estate. Yeah. Um, and so it was just good timing, but bad for them. They they ended up folding. It's a good concept. I mean, there's lots of other trade publications now that do even better, but um, there was really nothing uniting the industry 
um, locally. Right. So it was, it was good for that. But I, through the publication, I met a lot of people and I met a group of builders that uh, I befriended and uh, they were investing in real estate, um, buying and flipping or buying and holding and just doing a bunch of little things. I was dating uh, my second husband at the time, Andy, and he was into investing in real estate as well. And so I started investing with them and did a lot of research. Um, their primary business model was buying property at the sheriff's sale. Oh, okay. And so I would research the sheriff's sale list. I we no, we have not done this because it is kind of insane. It at is least kind of insane. Now it, I think. I don't know. I don't want to speak because you obviously know a lot about it, but it seems like it's more insane now because you can kind of see it online first. Would you say? I think there's a lot of uh, technology that we didn't have at the time. <laughs> it's really like, helpful. I, I was gonna. Well, I guess helpful might be the better word for it. But it sounds like because so many people can preview it, by the time you get there, there's probably not much of a deal to be had. Yeah, there's a lot of speculation, but there was always speculation. Okay. You know, it's just sort of being at the right time at the right place right. and not a lot of people, which I feel like more and more people know about that avenue. So, right. But back then, it was kind of the Wild West. And so I I started researching data and I needed my real estate license um, to do that. So um, that's how I became licensed in real estate. But it was just to further that investment in my own investments, Andy and I's investments. That's awesome. Yeah. And in, in the research side. Did you buy residential or did you buy commercial or both? Residential. What areas in the city were you buying in? Oh, all over. Yeah. Edmond in the core, urban core. Um, we bought one in Rose Creek and flipped it, um, which was fascinating and uh, very risky. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. recommend that. <laughs> um, but it worked out okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was. So it was the goal to buy and flip yes. and sell, not to buy and hold. Yeah. Yeah. And I did that for about a little less than a year. And then those same builders came to me and they said, um, our model home salesperson quit or, you know, something happened to them and they needed somebody to fill in for the weekend. And they were like, can you do it? And I was like, sure, I could do that. So I went and sold new homes for a couple of years. That's and how that's, I got involved that's in that. how you got involved in that. I yeah, mean, it's just sort of been an interesting um, journey because it's, it really was sort of like opportunity driven. You know, it wasn't like, this is what I'm going to do. And I had this vision. I was just like, oh, that sounds like fun. Let's do that for a minute. And you put yourself in positions to be open to new opportunities as well, right? I mean, yeah. I did. And but that's just sort of how I've always lived my life. And it's still my current mindset. They were very um, green focused. They were the first certified green builder in the state of Oklahoma. Oh, cool. And so I learned a lot about like new home construction and smart construction, green construction, what it meant. Uh, did buyers care about that back then? Yes. What year was this? Did. Uh, let's see. This would have been in... 2008. Okay, so the market has crashed, but it sounds like you guys were still pulling, like, I mean, new homes are still being built. Yeah, I mean, did the market really crash in Oklahoma? I don't think it was as bad in Oklahoma as it was in other 
cities. Yeah. I mean, we had a lot of foreclosures. We were insulated a little bit. Yeah. But I don't, we never really saw like create, people were still buying new construction. Right. We were selling, I was in, let's see, um, Mustang and then uh, like Deer Creek. I was going to ask the communities where I was growing. And those those have been growing. I was going to ask if you guys were in Deer Creek. So I feel like that's one of those communities that like, kind of blew up it did it's still blowing up still mm-hmm. blowing up yeah it's still blowing up everywhere is blowing up mm-hmm. the whole suburban oklahoma city metro is growing it's, yeah. there's a lot of growth but that's kind of where i landed and got familiar with green construction and um selling new homes but i still wasn't like selling houses for other people Oh, I was I, just working for the builder. Right. And so you, myself. Yeah. Right. So you weren't having people come to you saying, I need a house. You were just. No. Yeah. No. For the first two years of my licensure, I didn't help like anyone other than the, my builders or. Yeah. Selling. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So how did so how did you decide to start Verbode? It was just a natural progression of things or. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, you know, you have to have a broker hold your real estate license. And I was involved with the Green Resource Council at the um, Metropolitan Association of Realtors. I chaired that committee. Um, it We were tasked with getting um, new green or energy efficient fields entered into the MLS. Um, so before, like, there was no way to know whether a house had spray Solar foam insulation panels in any whatever. kind of energy okay. efficient. So anything. you could click, I want one with a pool, but you couldn't click, I want one with solar panels or with, right. you know. Right. Exactly. Um, and so I was doing some work with that and it was just sort of um, something that I was very focused on at the time. And I thought, you know, Oklahoma City needs more awareness around energy efficiency and I was also just really interested in working for a brokerage that would be more community minded. And I was looking for that and I really couldn't find anyone that had this sort of approach to thinking about real estate from a community standpoint. It was just very sales focused, very um, It, it was very sales focused. Yeah. That's yeah, the industry. Numbers mm-hmm. driven. Yeah. One I house mean, at a time. But that's it. I feel bottom, like yeah. even looking aside from brokerages, that's kind of the industry in general, because it's like you're always talking about top producers or even as somebody who's on the outside, like I can Google top real estate agents in Oklahoma City and a list will pop up of some sort of metric. Right. Sure. I mean, there's always some sort of sales number. And I feel like especially since Oklahoma is not a non-disclosure state. You kind of really can see all those numbers pretty clearly, right? Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know how easy it is to correlate production citywide individually, but definitely like the book of lists is published and that's if you submit your records to that. Right. You know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if it's real easy to get all of the data. I just mean as like from a, somebody who would hire an agent standpoint, like I can kind of get a feel for sales. Yeah. Well, real estate has always sort of been very sales focused, like production and I'm the best hire me because I sell a lot of Mm -hmm. houses and it's just really has nothing to do with the community. Right. And I, (laughs) but it has everything to do with the community. And that was my problem. I was like, wait, this it's, feels yeah, so dis- disconnected. disconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've really only bought one house. 
yeah, in my life, the house <laughs> I live in now. But I mean, even when you're going to look for a real estate agent, everybody has their opinions about somebody they've worked with, somebody yes. they've heard about. And it's really hard to separate experiences other people have had from maybe what the reality is or what the truth of the matter is because you'd sort of go pick the person as a when I was looking as opposed to the brokerage or as opposed to the company but what I what I like about verbode is when I think about verbode I think about verbode I don't think necessarily specifically about the individual agents you have underneath I think about the philosophy that you guys have the outlook that you have on the city and to me that it makes it easier to make it decision about who to hire because I feel like I'd be hiring for Bode, not the individual person. Right. I mean, I don't know if that's how you want people to think about it, but that's what... That's exactly what we want people mm-hmm. to think about. <laughs> that's okay, good. good. Yay, <laughs> it works. Okay. Yeah. It's Well, it it's sort of a shared um, feeling that we all have. You know, when you're affiliated with Verbode, it means something. We're not just a brokerage that you're going to hang your license in. We... We require more of our agents and employees than that. You know, we want them to approach their work from a contribution standpoint to the community, to the communities that we all live in, to the community of agents that collaborate within the firm and to our profession. And that's just a radically different way of approaching real estate. So did you come to that realization at the very beginning or has that sort of grown over the past 10 years, it's that philosophy? It's definitely been something that was um, rooted in our culture from the beginning, but it has shaped itself over the years. You know, we as we grew in the city, the city sort of shaped us. We realized where the needs were and that's where we focused on. And so. So what year was Verbode founded? We started in 2011. Oh, okay. We're celebrating ten years. Our ten, I was going to say ten, ten years. years. You having yes. a big party? We did not have a big party. Um, you know, COVID just changed how we get together. I mean, we're we're known for throwing pretty good parties. I know. I've been to some of your parties. They're always fun. Yeah. Well, we support local art and think that it's fun to gather people to celebrate local artists, and apparently the community agrees. So. We were looking forward to doing that in the future, but we haven't. We just had our holiday party last week, and it was pretty small and low-key, but it was probably the best event we've ever had. That's fun. Yeah. Well, So how did you decide? So you had this viewpoint that nobody was focusing on green building, green uh, concepts in real estate. How did you then add on sort of the urban core on top of that? And can you define what you consider the urban core? Sure. Okay. And um, that's a two-part question. Sorry. Okay, no, just... start there. Start with defining <laughs> what the... Because maybe not all the listeners know. So uh, I think that in it's changing, um, the urban core, right? Uh, as we continue to grow and the city shapes itself. But our definition of the urban core is Northwest 63rd from like May Avenue, well, really to I-44. Okay. From I-44 all the way east to Broadway Extension around Northwest 63rd. So basically everything north to Nichols Hills. Okay. And then you go south down all the way to Capitol Hill. Okay. East, there's a chunk of it that we consider the urban core all the way to I-35. Mm-hmm. 
And then west, we pretty well stay along 44. Yeah. Down into the stockyards and Uh then back over. Um, Windsor District is on the fringe of the urban core. And we we consider it like a neighbor. You know, you've got lots of great neighborhoods just to the west and lots of great neighborhoods, obviously, all surrounding those boundaries. But to me, that's the definition of the urban core. Interesting. Mm -hmm. That's really more broad than I was thinking about it. I know. I didn't think about that far east or west. Or west. Mm -hmm. But that makes sense because I feel like, yeah, like Lincoln Terrace area, like all of that down there. (laughs) You can't say that it's not urban or part of the core. So it's the, you know, it's, it's the urban core and the boundaries are moving, you know, used to, we would cut that off around like Lottie. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's all the way to 35, really. I mean, yeah, the whole landscape mm-hmm. is, cha- is changing. It is. They're building a lot. Well, and changing that those neighborhoods. Well, the city's growing. I yeah. mean, people are investing in neighborhoods and their revitalization. We have more districts now than we ever have. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, everyone wants... Uh, an urban lifestyle that that is interested in that you know not everyone i mean obviously people still live in suburbia and in rural oklahoma i live in rural oklahoma personally so you know so you don't live in the urban core i don't i moved uh three years ago how do you do you like it i love it do you have horses no how far out are you Give us your address. (laughs) (laughs) So I live in Spencer, actually, which is northeast of Oklahoma City. Oh, wow. Okay. Northeast of Oklahoma. Okay. 63rd and Anderson. Okay. Almost to Hiawassee. Yeah. I'm on the fringe of Jones. Jones Jones is a hot, hot topic lately. Yeah. Jones is. Jones and Choctaw and Jones. Yeah. The city's moving. The city's growing. It's Mm -hmm. changing. But I think what's so interesting about the urban core, though, is that places are getting filled in. So that was the other thing about growing up is that there was so much space. I mean, I sort of thought about like Heritage Hills and Mesta Park and then Nichols Hills and then Quell Creek and then Edmond. But all of that space, Crown Heights, all of that space is getting filled in, which is what's making it more interesting, I think, to live in the urban core. There's not quite as much like open space as there once was. So I'm I'm hard to I mean it's hard for me to I don't like the city growing out. I think it you need to fill in. I need to fill in. Honestly, I've never understood why between like 63rd and Britain on the east side of Broadway extension, like there's still open fields right there. There I mean the open like fields. Like kind of where are... chicken pickle is, like over mm-hmm. there. There's still so much open land there. And I'm like, it is so adjacent to the city. But we're still going But we're going to other places out to Piedmont yeah. and to Jones and to So I've never but I do think there's been more filling in in the past ten years. I don't know if I'm just I think what's happening in the last ten years is that these neighborhoods that have always been there are becoming revitalized because there's always been these historic neighborhoods outside of like the neighborhoods everyone knows, you know, Um, but no one really wanted to live there. It wasn't like a destination. It wasn't desirable. No one, there wasn't really any type of programming in those areas. There was no businesses supporting it. You know, it was just sort of like unnoticeable. 
And now what you're seeing is people that live there are revitalizing their own little hyper-local neighborhoods and they're building infrastructure from within. And so they're recruiting neighbors to join forces and, you know, create newsletters and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just becoming more vibrant areas. And so you start noticing them and they're starting to fill in in that regards. There's vacant lots all over the city where people are building new construction because people want to live in this area and historic houses are difficult to own. And so, you know, you want so they want new, but they want to be in the core. So you're starting to see kind of people fill in and they're they're gutting these old houses and revitalizing them from the inside out. And we are seeing more and more and more of that. And then businesses are coming and the districts are getting full and you're like, oh, this is so different than what it was 10 years ago or what it was five years ago. OK, I want to talk specifics to Oklahoma City. What neighborhoods do you think have grown the most in the last 10 years within the urban core? And if I were buying today, what neighborhood do you think is like the next up and coming neighborhood? So two part question. Wow. Well, when you say growth, do you mean in property value? All of the above, like number of people, property value, quality like uh like oh how did you put how did you just put it um like people want to live there like what uh what's that desirability desirability there you go (laughs) so i mean people have always lived in the urban core i really don't think the population has changed much The, the probably the greatest change has been in the downtown market where you've seen more uh multifamily apartments condos in neighborhoods that typically didn't have people living in them. Let's go property value then. So talking property value, definitely areas like Musta Park. Um, For example, 10 years ago, the average price per square foot was probably $100,000 in Musta Park. Right. Price per square foot. Yeah. $100? Yeah. 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And then like, what do you think it is now? The average price per square foot in Musta Park is probably... Two hundred and twenty-five thousand. Two hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah. Wow. Two hundred and twenty-five dollars. That's more than doubled. Yeah, that is more than doubled. In ten years. Yeah. Wow, that's insane. And is it more than doubled for the same house, the same condition? Yes. Wow. Okay. What What about any other neighborhoods that you think have just blown up in that way? What about Ninth Street over? Or is it Seventh or Ninth over? Kind of um, east of Classen. So that's where they the, built all those. The cottage district south of St. Anthony, Sosa. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Oh, yeah, Sosa. I love that, how they like, gave it a I know. Name. Everything and has I'm a like, name. There's like the, two streets. Yeah, two streets and they've got their own name. Also, a lot of growth. Um, the entire sort of midtown area from 4th Street, really, all the way north to 13th has probably seen the greatest appreciation of the city as a whole. I mean, there are condos that are selling for $500 a square foot right now. What? Sure, Villa Teresa. I was going to ask about Villa Teresa specifically. It's yeah. going to be, I mean, it's, is it 100% built? I follow it, of course, on Verboad. Uh, I believe they're they're really close if they aren't finished. Wait, they're beautiful. And they're selling for 500 a square foot? Yes. Holy cow. Who is buying all of these properties? Like, what do these people do for a living? 
There's all kinds Doctors? of I you you would be so surprised. Uh it is all kinds of people, young people. You know, we are in the middle of the largest exchange of wealth in our nation's history. Um more and more 30 somethings are inheriting generational wealth and they're spending it on real estate. Interesting. Yeah. It's and are, always are these people did they grow up in Oklahoma City? Or are they moving from other places? Both. Interesting. Well, so what neighborhood, if somebody is like you have a client right now who's mm-hmm. like, I want to make a smart investment, what what do you think that they could buy? What neighborhood would you have them look to buy that you still think has not hit its peak and that in 10 years will be worth, you know, like a, the next Mesta Park, essentially? Well, there will never be another neighborhood like Mesta Park. Um, and that's why it's so popular because it has the best of everything. Right. And, um, but there are a lot of great opportunities on the fringe. So I would be looking in the Miller neighborhood. I would be looking. In- Where's the Miller neighborhood? Miller is between 10th Street, Northwest 10th Street, Northwest 16th Street, May and Villa. Oh, okay. It was oh. built in the 20s, mm-hmm. uh, Tudor oh, yeah. style. Uh, really cute, a great neighborhood association. I mean, they have block captains. Oh, so and like all kinds of activities. There's a historic home tour. Um, I'm not sure if they're doing that now with COVID, but in the past, um, they do like watermelon socials in the summertime on the boulevard. Cool. There's two boulevards that intersect in the Miller neighborhood on Miller Boulevard and 12th Street. So it has just sort of like this really great neighborhood vibe. And, and so there's like a piece that goes down the middle with trees is, mm-hmm. and then the boulevard. The, and what's the, what's the name of that street? Miller Boulevard. Miller, Miller Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And it goes east-west? It goes north-south. North-south. 12th Street is east-west. Oh, 12th Street is Which is also Miller's, a boulevard. So Miller's between what and what? Miller's between May and Villa. May and Villa. Okay. That's... Okay. I yeah. know exactly where you're Kind of about. like It's off of- the map. It's, it's not on anyone's radar, but there are great homes in there. There are estate properties along the boulevard that can you can buy really inexpensively i mean not and nothing's inexpensive anymore but i I would be watching miller i would i do think i drove through there the other day for some reason you should you should drive through this whole city yeah cleveland i love the cleveland neighborhood where's that cleveland is north of miller it's east of may north of 23rd south of 30th west of villa so kind of near ocu to the west to the west of ocu okay North of 23rd. Okay. Yeah. You have incredible home styles like post-war, international sort of art deco. Uh, There's colonial cottage. Um, There's a few ranch style. I mean, it's just like this diverse architectural residential neighborhood. Are there laws about what you can tear down, what you can't? tear down so that those neighborhoods keep the aesthetic and keep the history? Or can you just go in and scrape whatever you want? Oklahoma City's never been that great at that. But Oklahoma City does have neighborhoods that are historic preserved, but those two neighborhoods are not. They're probably part of the um, design overview overlay, um, but that's not really enforced in that way. Gotcha. That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, so... Kind of taking it to the market in general for Oklahoma City. Sure. 
Do you think that we are on par with like all these national averages as far as like houses staying on the market for so long and things like that? Do you think that our... What you mean like two days? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that we've had as big of a boom as some of the A cities have had? Yes. I mean, uh, in terms of supply and demand, we're experiencing the same scenarios. Uh, the average days on the market in the urban core is under 10 days and it has been most of the year. Wow. So you can sell your house for a lot of money, but then you can't afford to buy a new house. <laughs> <laughs> it's challenging, right? So it's definitely, it's definitely challenging. And that's part of the reason why our inventory is so short because where are you going to go? Are people that's that are what we selling had this their whole conversation with multiple friends We're like, I could sell my house right now and make so much more than what I paid, but where am I going to go? Where are you going to go? Are yeah. people people that are selling their houses to make money, are they moving outside the urban core, outside Oklahoma City? What's the motivation for selling right now? Or if the motivation for selling right now is to make money, where are these people going? I don't really know if the majority of the clients we serve are motivated by making money. Okay. I think that the majority of people that we do business with at Verbode are situational. You know, they they relocate because of their employment or they're now working from home and they need different space. They need a home office or, you know, there's lots of sort of situational clients that we serve. But not, there's not, the investors that are that are buying and selling are, have always been buying and selling. Yeah. So, you know, people are moving to the suburbs for the school districts from the urban core. You know, that's really the only reason people leave. That's interesting. That is, that is the one part of Oklahoma City, which I find to be kind of a bummer. I know that's not the most eloquent way to say it, but I feel like when I talk to friends who live in Dallas or all these cities in Texas where they can have these fab public schools. It's just, you can't, you don't have that here in Oklahoma city proper. And it's just, I mean, I know the city would try to figure it out because that is the one thing like John Rex and things like that. But But then where you go after fifth grade, exactly. Class and my kids are at John Rex and they have been since it opened. And and it's wonderful. We had um, Bob Ross on and he talked a lot about about starting it. I commuted from Edmond. I was so, um, I wanted to give them an urban experience. And I knew I wasn't going to get that in Edmond. Yeah. So, which, and then will they go, class and starts in sixth grade? You can go to class in after Fifth that? grade. Class and starts in So John grade. Rex goes through fourth and then, okay. So John Rex goes all the way to middle school now. Um, you can stay at John Rex and go all the way to the eighth grade, eighth I grade. believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. But uh, my uh, son Ari is in the seventh grade at class and um, he loves it. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so for... One, a couple of last real estate questions, but for investing, because it sounds like you still have clients who do a lot of that. Mm-hmm. What neighborhoods would you think are still good investments at the that this point? Not Every, so. <clears throat> like, where do you think you can come in and buy a deal and maybe flip or maybe have a rental property? Every neighborhood has deals. Every day. De- okay. The the thing to remember is to understand how the neighborhood is moving. Um, and that kind of data is hard to find unless you're tracking it. Uh, we've been tracking it for years. And so we understand hyperlocal neighborhood values better than most, especially in the urban core. Uh, 
because we're focused on it. I think that deals are deals can be had anywhere. Okay. It's a matter of understanding how to evaluate property property accordingly, you know, and depending on what your goals are, are you short-term holding, long-term holding? Um, are you just in it to make a quick buck? What, are you going to do work? Are you going to put it in your portfolio and hold on to it for 30 years? You know, there's different paths in that. You know, if I were an investor and I just had a ton of money and I needed to spend it right now today, I would probably go to Capitol Hill. Interesting. Um, and I would buy residential and commercial south of 40. Okay. Absolutely. How far down? Where's Capitol, Capitol Hill start? Capitol Hill starts around... What is that, 50th? No. No, like, it doesn't go that far. Not south. that far. Like, okay, okay. 16th? It, south? Between East, Western and Robinson. Okay. Robinson, okay. South to like Southwest... 29th, maybe even further. I don't have to look. Okay, okay. up to I 40? Pretty much. Okay. So where Scissor Tail is. Right. So Scissor Tail sits in Capitol Hill. The lower Scissor Tail oh, Park. I was thinking, the lower Scissor Tail Park. I was thinking Lincoln up there. Now I oh, God. That's, yeah, yes, south that's of Lincoln the river. Terrace. Right, right, south right. of the river. If you south haven't driven south of the upper Scissor Tail Park and seen what they're doing in the lower Scissor Tail Park and all of the investment that they've made and in the infrastructure to Real Rogers Park and the skate park that sort of is the um, it's the gateway into Capitol Hill. Um, drive. Do yourself a favor and drive down there. OK. I've been all over the Wheeler District, but I need to come down and do. Go Scissor south Tail. on Robinson and then turn west on 25th Street and you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. So that, okay. that's where I would go. But. But to answer your question, in fairness, there are always going to be real estate deals. It's just understanding the market and um, really, really understanding condition, location, you know, what is the true value of the of any one particular property? Because every property is unique. But there, I mean, we're still finding deals in hot neighborhoods all over the core. That's awesome. Okay. Are you ready for your first final? Yes. Okay. So our first final question is a three-parter. It's you in 10 years, Verbode in 10 years, and Oklahoma City in 10 years. Where do you see these three things falling? Oklahoma City in 10 years is going to be incredible. I fully believe that we're in the middle of a renaissance in the city. And I know that because I leave a lot and come back. And when I get back, I'm like, gosh, I love it here. I just love Oklahoma City. I love everything about it. I love how easy it is. I love how challenging it is <laughs> in so many different respects. I love the food scene. I love the people. The people here are incredible. And the opportunity in business is just outstanding. And I think it's going to be even more than what we've ever imagined. I just see incredible people continuing to do incredible things here. And so I'm excited about the future of Oklahoma City. Uh, for Bode in 10 years, we'll definitely be stronger and um, have more market share than we do now. I mean, our goal is to really embody community involvement. You know, we just want to help people understand their neighborhoods and make them stronger. Would you ever franchise? I don't know. Or how do you, how does that work, I guess? Or have multiple agencies or how? You know, we thought about growing um, and I definitely feel like anything's possible in the future. I'm interested in other markets for sure. 
Um, it's not currently our focus to, you know, open into new markets. You know, we just want to do better things in our own community here. So when I feel like we've done that, we'll talk about other markets. So sure. I mean, I'm anything's possible. I definitely have international aspirations. Um, and so, you know, that kind of ties into my personal 10 years. I definitely will, you know, be working abroad and in real estate in some cap capacity. That's awesome. It might be with Verbode. It might not. I don't know. If Maybe. you Okay. One more. One more question. Okay. And then we'll do final. But if you had to pick a market that you think best mirrors Oklahoma City, and it could be internationally, what would you say? A market that best mirrors Oklahoma City. Gosh. I don't. I mean, I don't know if there's an answer for it, but I was just curious if like you said you've been watching other markets. Like, is there one that you're like, oh, this is kind of like Oklahoma City or... I don't know wholeheartedly of another market that is quite like Oklahoma City is right now. You know, there are lots of smaller, you know, communities around the world that are experiencing growth. But I just feel like Oklahoma City is so unique in that how we're experiencing it in all the various ways. I just feel like we're in sort of this super... Um, global perspective change of like, I don't know how to quantify it. I it's feel not like, like just yeah. one segment is growing, right? It's, it's almost like everything is exploding at once from what I can, I mean, technology, healthcare, real estate, investing, banking, all of these industries, biotech, biotech mm -hmm. are, are here and they're all in a growth mode. Right. Even, Greta Sloan, I mean, from a teeny tiny little perspective, has grown dramatically this year. Now, I don't know if that will continue, but it seems that it will, considering the types of customers that have come to the store. And I mean, there just there isn't even the neighborhoods are growing like there's not one thing that I, I know, can think of that's not in growth mode. Yeah. I, I just think we're so unique in in that our size and and the landscape is is manageable you know right. i go to other cities all the time and i'm just like this feels unmanageable in certain regards and then i come back to oklahoma city and i'm like this is all doable we can do this the city is doing it so i don't know it's, it's tough to answer that yeah. question i just feel like we're really sort of on this trajectory that no other city has and that's what's great about it i mean we really are real in a renaissance in my opinion that's awesome you ready for final i'm ready for final question Okay, so a friend comes to visit from someplace else in the world. They're, this is their first time in Oklahoma City. You pick them up at the airport. What do you take them to do for the day? How do you show them the city? Wow. Well, the first thing that I would do is show them the terrazzo floors at the airport that Matt Go created. Oh, they're and beautiful. Explain to them sort of the landscape of the city through the arts. You know, I would probably take them to the plaza district and show them the plaza walls. And we definitely grab some coffee somewhere, probably elemental because I'm there a lot. And they're my friends and clients. And, you know, I would drive them through the neighborhoods. We would start in Midtown and I would just sort of give them a driving tour of the architecture of our city and we'd probably drive out by the Capitol. Everyone finds that building fascinating and it's, it is right. It's such like a, a landmark. We forget how beautiful it is, but yeah, it's really, true. it's really beautiful when you come down Lincoln Boulevard and you're like, Whoa, look at the Capitol. 
Uh, and I would probably hang out at my farm. I mean, I I love the city so much, but rural Oklahoma has such a tug on my heart right now. It's it's such an interesting community where I live. Uh, people ride their horses down the street, and um, you know, it's just it's 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 a it's a unique place to live in. And so many people that I know from outside of Oklahoma, they have this sort of thought in their head of what Oklahoma is, especially if they've never been here. And so I like I like to show them both sides. You know, that's the great thing about Oklahoma is that we have this urban landscape and the urban core and real estate and all the different things that we're doing in the city. But there's also this entire state full of rural landscapes and rural communities that are so fascinating. And you can get there so easily, right? I mean, you commute in every single day and you're yeah on a farm at night and in the city during the day. Yeah, I'd probably take them to Fairfax. What happens in Fairfax? Yeah. I know Sage County. Oh. It's a really interesting place I've been involved in this year. And um, I've met some incredible people there. And I would show them the Tall Chief Theater, which we're working to restore. And I'd probably take them to the Tall Grass Prairie because there's wild buffalo and you can see them. People are always fascinated by buffalo. Yeah. Or bison or we have bison, right? Not really buffalo. But I'm unique, you know, like when my friends come to town, I can give them like the whole urban core experience in like two hours. One of my favorite things to do is to <laughs> literally get in the car and drive around like that. Like take that exact tour you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I could drive from neighborhood to neighborhood to neighborhood just like investigating we, what's happening. Like we can hit all the hot spots really short. <laughs> we should like, put together a tour and let people come along and just like. We I really love all the time. I love this idea, actually. Yeah. And, and now that you say that, let's talk afterwards. Let's do it. I've got some thoughts about that. What is if you're going to take them out to dinner, what's your favorite spot? Oh, my gosh. I have so many great places that I love to go out to dinner. Well, I love the Broadway 10 Chop House. Um, It depends on what you're in the mood for. You know, there's so many great, like, local places to dine. I mean, I don't know. Tacos at Oso, Frida's. I love love having dinner in the Paseo. It just feels really authentic. Mm -hmm. I like to walk around and, like show people that district yeah there's so many i mean you can't even really i mean if you really want to get into every single district you can't you can't do it you can't no, do it all in one yeah. weekend you I mean, used to you used to be able to do it. it it needs to be like a series you know you got to come mm-hmm. back yeah <laughs> exactly but definitely the downtown landscape is so fun and it's you can navigate through it you know and take people and um really show them the arts district and we'd We'd probably have dinner at the Jones Assembly. I mean, it's just so fun. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many there's so many great places. We're going to need more than one day. We're going to have to expand our question. Yeah, we really Gosh. do. Well, Sarah, thank you so yeah. much for coming on the podcast. Well, tell us where people can follow you and Verbode. So Verbode.com is our website. And uh, we're on all the social media uh, places. Your Instagram. You guys should follow them on Instagram yeah. if you love kind of urban <laughs> spying and looking at houses. You take the best pictures you always put houses that I think I might want to buy instantly on there. Thank you. So definitely follow Verbote on Instagram. Well, we we definitely share what's going on in the community there too. So well, that's you have to talk about all the art shows. I feel like I keep updated. Yeah, from you guys. I am. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, thanks okay. for coming. We'll see you soon. Yes. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at ActionCityOKC.com. Action City is produced by Blacken Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blacken Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.